We're on to story number six, Chestnut Street, from Jason Reynolds' Look Both Ways, a tale told in ten blocks. Five things easier to do than Simeon and Kenzie's secret handshake. One, getting through the crowded hallway after the bell rings. Simeon Cross was big for his age. Big, like two kids tall and two kids wide. A walking anvil with a happy gappy smile that lit every doorway he darkened. Impossible to miss when he was around and impossible not to miss when he was absent. So when the bell rang, Simeon got up from his desk in Mr. Devanzo's class, grabbed his backpack off the floor, and waited by the door while all his classmates filed out, jumping up to give him high fives. Everybody but Ty Carson, who bolted out of his class, probably because Mr. Devanzo couldn't stand people asking to go to the bathroom. There's no time for breaks when it comes to understanding the world around you, he'd say. After everyone else had gone, Simeon walked over to Mr. Devanzo, and they slapped the backs of their hands together, knuckles knocking like tiny pool balls. Their secret handshake, which was nothing elementary compared to the complex system he and Kenzie had. Kenzie Thompson was small for his age, tied for the smallest kid in his class with another boy everybody called Bit. Kenzie didn't have a nickname like that, and if anyone ever tried to give him one, he would <clears throat> do nothing. Well, that's not true. He would do something, but that something would be telling Simeon, and then Simeon would do nothing, because when you're Simeon's size, a look is more than enough. Kenzie's name, though only five letters, was longer than he was, but other than his smallness and the fact that he carried a blue bouncy ball everywhere he went, there was really nothing else about him that stood out. He wasn't particularly tough or loud or funny or sad or weird or even smelly. Just Kenzie. Maybe he'd speak in class. Maybe he wouldn't. Got good grades when he studied, bad grades when he didn't wasn't dripping in name brands, but always clean, and was friends with everyone, but really friends with no one but Simeon, and Simeon was friends with everyone because being his enemy just wasn't smart. Kenzie walked the middle of every line until the bell rang, and then something else. Kenzie never rushed out of Mr. Fantana's class like the rest of the students, not because he had some kind of special love for life science, I mean, it was okay, but because he knew he'd never make it to his locker with the hundreds of other kids traffic jamming and bumper carring around, not paying attention to the fact that their elbows were right by his face. He'd been hit before several times, had his eyes swollen accidentally by girls who swung their arms around to make sure their friends understood the importance of whatever they were saying, had his lip busted because some boy was pretending it was five seconds left in the fourth quarter, curry with the ball, he shoots, he scores, and he punches a kid in the face while hitting his crossover. That kid, Kenzie. For him, the hallway was, mine, was a minefield, and there were hundreds of active minds dressed in t-shirts and jeans. So he waited while Mr. Fontana gathered his lesson plans, put the tops back on his dry erase markers, waited and waited for... You! Simon came, Simeon came bursting into Mr. Fontana's room. Fontana bandana! What's good? What's hood? What's new? What's true? Simeon gave Mr. Fontana an awkward handshake that looked like Mr. Fontana was trying to figure out how hands work. Took you forever, bro, Kenzie said, getting up from his desk. My bad, man, Simeon said, reaching out for Kenzie's hand. Don't, Mr. Fantana sparked. Don't. Don't do that handshake in here. Not because I think anything is wrong with it. It's just... I really want to get going, guys, and that handshake y'all do takes way too long. I know you probably won't believe this, but teachers have lives too, Mr. Fantana smirked, then went on shoving papers into his leather bag. Wow, Mr. Fantana, I thought you were all about life science. What we were getting ready to show you was life science in full effect, Simeon explained. I am and I love y'all, but not today. 
Then he pointed at the door. Please. Simeon didn't argue. He just turned back to Kenzie. Come on, Kenzie. I don't want to be nowhere we ain't welcomed. Simeon, cut it. Mr. Fantana started, but Simeon shut him down. Nope, nope, you said what you said, and the damage is done. Simeon bent his knees, squatting just enough for Kenzie to get a running start to jump onto his back. And off they went, out into the busy hallway of stumbling awkward bodies, pinballing around, bouncing into one another and off lockers. Simeon, bigger than the rest, was unbounceable. He couldn't be knocked down or pushed out of the way. Ready? Simeon asked Kenzie over his shoulder. Kenzie had his arms wrapped around Simeon's neck, tight enough to hold on, but not tight enough to choke him. Let's do it, Kenzie called back, and off they went. Two, getting out of trouble with Ms. Walkley for pretending to be in a horse race. But Ms. Walkley, we're not pretending to be in a horse race, Simeon pleaded. Ms. Walkley stood at the door to the school, her face a pink raisin, made raisiner whenever she was in discipline mode, which was all the time. It was pretty much her job to tell everyone what not to do. Stop making fart noises. Stop dancing. Stop. Stop. Stop dancing like that. Stop rapping. Stop singing. Stop laughing. Stop acting like children, children. Mr. Cross. Mr. Thompson was just on your back yelling yee-haw while circling his arm in the air as if winding an imaginary lasso. Mrs. Walkley demonstrated. And it took everything in both boys not to crack up. That's just how he talks, Simeon said. I'm going to say this to you for the thousandth time. Miss Walkley steamed. All feet should be, and stay firmly, on the ground. But what about Pia Foster? Her feet be on a skateboard. This from Kenzie. It wasn't snitching because everybody knew Pia skated through school. The one time anyone had ever seen Simeon hurt was when Pia skated over his foot. And I've told you, and I've told her not to do that, but we're not talking about Miss Foster, are we? No, we're talking about you two, Miss Walkley folded her arms. I've given you so many warnings and you don't seem to take me seriously, so wait, 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 before you write us up. I think it's important that we at least let you know why we do it. Miss Walkley sighed. She heard their excuse, different versions of it, time and time again. But they were always so entertaining that she was game to hear it once more. See, here's the thing. Walkley Broccoli, can I call you that? Simeon asked. No. Got it. Here's the thing. Kenzie here, got a big heart. But that big heart happens to be in a very small body. Now, I don't know about you, but I would hate for that heart to be broken because that body was knocked around. That would be a tragedy. Travesty, Kenzie corrected him. Travesty, Simeon repeated. And so because I love Kenzie, I protect him. I make sure he can maneuver down these busy hallways without worrying about anything. I'm basically his bodyguard. Tell me something, Mr. Cross. How exactly does Mr. Thompson get from class to class during the day when he's not with you? Simeon knew this was a setup. I know where you're going with this, and I don't know because I'm not with him, Miss Walkley, but I can only imagine how scary it must be. Simeon put his arm around Kenzie. Kenzie turned his face into a puppy's. Is that true, Mr. Thompson, that the hallways are scary for you? Oh, Miss Walkley, you've got no idea. Just the other day, Joe Santiago didn't see me standing behind him and just backed me into my locker. Like, backed him all the way into it, as in his whole body was in... I understand what he's saying, Mr. Cross. He has a mouth. Exactly. He does have a mouth. Simeon was right there with her. He also has arms and legs, feet and hands, and in the same way you do. You don't want him silenced. You also don't want him invisible, do you? Yeah. You don't want me to be invisible, do you, Miss Walkley? Miss Walkley's tight face was still tight, but a little less tight than it was when Kenzie and Simeon had gotten caught pulled over by her. If I could just make one more point, Miss Walkley... 
she cut Simeon off. You can't. Please, just go home and come back tomorrow ready for the rest, ready to follow the rules. Miss Walkley marched off, the sound of her chunky heels clacking loudly. She turned and added, When you two grow up, I really hope you become more than horse and jockey because people lose a lot of money betting on horse races. Not if they bet on us, Simeon zapped right back at her. Plus, I want to be a lawyer, Kenzie said, trying to control the sting in his throat. Because they're smart, and they know stuff like, jockeys don't say yeehaw, cowboys do. Number three, getting to the neighborhood. Outside, it was, outside was what outside always was, a spill out of inside. It was like the main hallway was the river that led to the ocean of backpacks, ball caps, and braids, energy and engines roaring the roar of the school, of school is finally over. Yo, you got old Waka Waka out, out of here with that cowboy line? Plus, I ain't no horse, I'm a friend. Your brother, Simeon said to Kenzie as they walked up to the corner. Miss Post, the crossing guard, was standing there with her arms out. Hey, boys, she said. Kenzie leaned in for a hug. Hey, Miss Post, that hug happened every day between Ken... Sorry, that hug happened every day between Kenzie and the crossing guard. A walking ritual. Staying out of trouble? She asked. Of course, Simeon said. Matter of fact, I'm going to home to do my homework. Because we have homework. Not sure Canton here told you this or not, but there's homework. Canton was Mrs. Post's son. He was sitting, leaning against the stop sign on the corner, waiting for her like he did every day. Canton just shook his head, paying the big guy no mind because everyone was used to him being silly. And what about you, little man? Miss Post addressed Kenzie. Staying out of the street? Trying, Kenzie fo followed, holding the blue ball up, as if she could look, it into, look into it and see the day's behavior. What about you, Simeon? So what about you? Simeon now asked Miss Post, who had a hand up to signal for others to walk, to hold tight on the corner, and to wait for her whistle. Best I can, she replied, popping the silver tweeter in her mouth and stepping back off the curb. Catch you tomorrow, Miss Post, Kenzie said, waving as he and Simeon turned right. Most walkers walked to the left, down Portal Avenue, down some of the other neighborhoods, but to the right, up, up Portal Avenue, is where Chestnut Homes were, where Simeon and Kenzie lived. It took no time because there were very few of their classmates going that way, and the ones who actually lived there didn't walk there. So the path was clear, laid out for Simeon and Grant, Simeon the Grand and Kenzie the Great, like a runway to their kingdom, a kingdom where carrying a person on your back was allowed, encouraged even, a kingdom where kings are throned and dethroned daily, where the crown jewels get dropped down sewers and flushed down toilets, a kingdom full of princes like Kenzie and Simeon, princes no one ever bet on anyway. Anyway, like I was saying, we family, Simeon nailed down what he was going on about before they stopped to talk to Ms. Post. Exactly you, my brother, Kenzie confirmed, bouncing the blue ball as they approached Chestnut Street. The way Kenzie and Simeon thought about it, Chestnut Street is a paradise. Light poles are like palm trees, bus stops, benches like hammocks, and corner stores like island bungalows. There's a smell in the air, a mix of exhaust and exhaustion. Also, cooked food and cooked hair. There's a feel in the air. A stickiness, like walking through an invisible syrup, a thickness to life. There's a sound in the air, a shrill and chill. The scream and whisper of the world making a symphony of so good and so what. Also, the sound of Kenzie and Simeon, their voices still young, still sweet like flutes cutting through. Most people tighten up when they walk down Chestnut, tuck tails and tuck chins. But for Kenzo and Simeon, this was where they could let loose, where they could run and slap the street signs, pretend to dunk, where they could stand on the blue mailboxes like pedestals or see who could balance the longest on tip-top of a fire hydrant, where they could 
open random doors of random shops and speak to the owners. Mrs. Wilson's Beauty Supply Store, tell your mama, I got new wigs, or Mr. Chase's Hardware Store, your daddy get the sink to stop leaking yet? Or Sue, who owned the Chinese restaurant and was always too busy to speak to them, but nowhere w was better than Fredo's. Number four, picking the perfect snack from Fredo's corner store. Walking into Fredo's was like walking into a dungeon. No matter what time of day it was, the light was always dim and the shelves were packed so high that you couldn't see over them. Walls of whatnot, no windows, big enough for the world's snacks, but too small for anything else. Always smelled like incense smoke trying to mask a dirty mouth water. Kenzie and Simeon came through the door with the kind of confidence of someone who owned the place. Fredo, Simon called out, Simeon called out, throwing up a hand while heading toward the bunt cakes and the boxes of mini donuts. Well, if it isn't Wreck-It Ralph and Tiny Tim, Fredo shot back. He was flipping through the newspaper, licking his fingers every few seconds to turn the pages as if anyone could read that fast. You know, I look through this paper every day, hoping I don't see all y'all faces. You never will, Kenzie said, unless it's for something good. Something good, like what? Fredo asked, setting the paper on the counter. Something good, like me. Becoming a big-time lawyer, Kenzie replied. Yeah, or like me, becoming a famous actor, Simeon said, so I can act like a big-time lawyer. He picked up a snack cake, turned it over to check the expiration date, no telling how long Fredo kept things, and they bought the cakes that tasted like bricks. And they'd bought cakes that tasted like bricks before. Listen, it's more likely a school bus will fall from the sky. Ouch. Simeon gripped his chest dramatically. Don't get me wrong. I hope all that happens, all that happens so y'all can buy this store and I can retire, kick back and watch Law and Order Marathons all day every day. Well, we'd have to change the name of this place, Simeon said, accidentally bumping bags of chip off the shelves behind him, to something like K&S Food, or S&K Food, Kenzie suggested. Fredo knitted his fingers together, rested his hands on the counter like some kind of judge. Okay, gentlemen, whatever you say. A few moments later, Kenzie and Simeon were at the counter. A bag of chips for Kenzie and a snack cake for Simeon. A moon pie. Fifty cents each, boys, Fredo said. I got you, Simon said to Kenzie, sliding Kenzie's chips over to be included with his cake. Okay, so that's going to be a dollar, big man. And then came the change. Simeon reached into his pocket and pulled out a fistful of dimes and nickels and pennies, slapped them down on the counter, and started separating them the, and counting them out as if he was setting a checkers board. Kenzie chuckled. He was used to Simeon doing stuff like this, and seeing all that change on the counter, he couldn't help but think about how Bit Burns, Kenzie's short twin in school, who had a reputation for patting people's pockets and stealing their change, would never try that on Simeon. Hold on. Let me count it out, Simeon said. Five, ten, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, twenty-seven, twenty-eight. How do you, how's your brother? Fredo asked Simeon. Uh, he, I... Probably somewhere in the street, driving the old ice cream truck round, fronting like he's legit. Fredo nodded, and then nodded at Kinsey. And what about yours? I see you still carry that old handball of his everywhere you go. You know, he ain't no good at that game, right? And before Kinsey could answer, Simeon got frustrated and slammed his hand on the counter. You made me lose count, man, Simeon boomed. Yeah, now I gotta start all over. Five, ten, fifteen. Okay, Fredo said, scooping the right amount off the counter and into his palm. We'll be we'll be here all day. Where you gotta go, Fredo? Simon taunted. To your mother's house. Ask her how many times she dropped you when you were a baby. 
Oh, no need to ask her that. I can tell you, she only dropped me once into a vat of gold. And a vat of gravy, Fredo cracked, but Simeon didn't laugh. And because Simeon didn't laugh, Kenzie stepped up. Better chill, Fredo, Kenzie warned. Matter of fact, just for that. And then, up on his tippy toes, he reached over and grabbed Fredo's newspaper off the counter. And when Fredo didn't budge, Kenzie snatched his lighter too. This got Fredo's attention. No more cigarettes, they bad for you anyway. No more of them. Booty funk incense either, Simeon said, opening the door, his laughter lingering in the store after he and Kenzie left. Such silly things to take, a gossipy newspaper and a lighter, as if Fredo ain't own a store. One with a bunch of newspapers and matches and lighters behind the counter. But still, it was about the principle, the loyalty, the brotherhood. Number five, making wishes. When Kenzie and Simeon made it to their building, the building they'd been living in their entire lives, they sat out front on the steps. The whole walk home, they laughed about Fredo making up silly jokes about him. Fredo looked like a puppet, like somebody got their hand up his butt controlling him, Kenzie snapped. He looked the t like the type of dude who would own a store that just sells snacks. Like, you know, what kind of guy you gotta be to just sell snacks? Snacks! From Simeon who now had the newspaper and rolled it up into a tube. He swung it around like a short sword. What do Fredo even mean? I mean, if it's Alfredo, that would explain it, because he's definitely cheesy. Kenzie piled on, bouncing his ball back and forth under his legs. A slight breeze blew litter around, plastic bags floating like jellyfish and deflated birthday balloons. One of the shiny metallic ones lifted and zipped through the air like happy shrapnel. Exactly, cheesy. But I can't front. He got me with the gravy joke. Simon followed the balloon with his eyes as if he were a football thrown long, or a messenger pigeon with a note from afar. A smirk crept onto his face. Yeah, he did, Kenzie agreed. They both cracked up. Kenzie set the ball down, opened his bag of chips, offered Simeon some. Nah, I'm good, Simeon said as the balloon floated out of view. But give me that lighter. Kenzie handed Simeon Fredo's lighter, unsure of what he was going to do with it. He couldn't grow up to be a lawyer if Simeon was just was getting ready to set something on fire. Jokes were one thing, but burning stuff down was something totally different. Simeon unrolled the newspaper, glanced at the front page, which was a story about a school bus falling from the sky, and ripped it in half, then ripped the half in half and twisted it into a paper worm. At least that's what it looked like. Then he looked, took the moon pie from its plastic, his huge fingers crushing most of it, trying to slide it out perfectly. Happy birthday to you! Simeon started singing in a fake opera voice. Happy birthday to you! What? Happy birthday, dear Kenzie! Happy birthday to you, 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 you! Simon stuck the paper worm into the moon pie, making it a wick. Then he lit the end of it on fire. Happy birthday, my man. I would have sang you the black people version, but I ain't want to turn this special moment into a concert, Simeon said, holding the moon pie out for Kenzie. The growing flame licked the air. Uh, it's not my birthday, bro. Quit, quit, blow it out before it turns the moon pie into a s'more. Kenzie gave in, leaned over. And don't forget to make a wish. Kenzie thought for a moment, then huffed the fire out. Bits of scorched paper flying off like black snowflakes, the smoke corkscrewing up into the air. What do you wish for? Simon asked. I ain't telling you, because then it won't come true. True, Simon, Simeon said, standing up. Well, since I can't know your wish, I might as well go get at this homework. 
Mr. Devanzo wants us to write about environmental something. I don't know. But I know I'll get a better view looking out my apartment window. You can see more from up there. Simeon pulled the paper out of the moon pie. He split the snack, stuffed half his mouth, and gave the other half to Kenzie. Yeah. I'm up, too, Kenzie said, back on his feet as well. He shoved his half of the moon pie into his mouth, too, slipped the ball into his bag. He had his free hands for what was coming, the handshake. They grab hands, shake, shake, slide, finger grip, shake, shake, and point to themselves, double fist bump, throw a peace sign beside each of their right ears, point to each other, slap their individual fingertips together, rub the air as if they're holding a ball bigger than the one in Kenzie's bag. Then they thumb their chins and shake their heads at each other before ending it with a big hug. Brothers, Simeon said. Brothers, Kenzie repeated, his voice muffled by the moon pie he was still chewing. They did it just like they'd watched their older brothers do it. The same shake, the same secret, the same bond, on the same steps. And, as they rode the elevator up to their separate floors, Simeon on seven, Kenzie on nine, Simeon looked at Kenzie, knowing what he wished for, and Kenzie looked at Simeon, knowing Simeon knew that he wished for the smoke from the paper candle, could drift, could carry a note through the air across the city and state, over lands and highways he'd never been on, through barbed wire, stone, and iron, ghosting its way through the bars and into the ear of his brother, to tell him how he wished he didn't have to walk home from school, how he wished his brother Mason could picking up pick him up in a car just like the car Simeon's brother, Chucky, had stolen almost two years ago, the one Mason took the hit for, went down for, but not that one, a different one, and took Kenzie for a ride, maybe even showed him how to play. I don't know if you understood that last bit, but it sounds like um, Kenzie's brother stole a car and is in jail, and Kenzie's wishing the smoke could reach him and send him a message that he wishes he was still around. I'll be back. <laughs>